0: as we study this text and uh, we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. We know that all Scripture is given to us for a reason. You want us to learn from it. You want us to apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray you'd help me as I attempt to apply this to our lives tonight. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would help me. Your Holy Spirit would come upon me. Give me the words to say, Lord. Help us to be able to learn from this text. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're there in Judges chapter number 20. And you know, if you remember a couple weeks ago when we were in Judges 19, I don't even want to recap the story, but you remember that we had that horrible story about the concubine who was taken advantage of and killed, and the the men, the Levite, traveling. Chapter 20 is the aftermath of that story. And I'll, I'll be honest with you... You know, what what I, what I like about our church, the fact that on Sunday morning we kind of preach topical sermons. Like, this morning was a very much a topical sermon about starting the new year right. But on Sunday nights we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the books of the Old Testament. On Wednesday night we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the books of the New Testament. And what I like about that is that it forces me to preach passages that, to be very honest with you, I probably wouldn't preach. I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach Judges chapter 20, but you know, everything in the Bible is there for a reason. And I want to give you a, a few points tonight in regards to this passage, and I'll try to not be very long. I know you can smell the coffee. Some of you are so good at smelling, you can smell the ice cream, you know? So um, we'll try to go through it quickly, but I want to give you a few things to consider. Judges chapter 20, I want you to notice this verse 1, the Bible says, Then all the children of Israel went out." I want you to see this, okay? All the children of Israel, except the Benjamites, alright? And the congregation was, make note of this phrase, gathered together as one man. From Dan, even to Beersheba, with the land of Gilead, unto the Lord in Mishpah. And the chief of all the people, even of all the tribes of Israel, presented themselves, uh, the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen that drew the source. You've got to understand this. You've got the children of Israel from Dan to Beersheba, alright? From, from the north to the south, they're all gathered together, all the children of Israel. There's 400,000 footmen, uh, verse 3. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were gone up to Mizpah. So You've got to understand this, okay? You've got the entire nation of Israel... Eleven tribes, except for one, the tribe of Benjamin. Now, if you remember, the tribe of Benjamin is a tribe, uh, is where the Levite went. Remember, he went to Gibeah in Benjamin, and, and that's where his concubine was killed, and that's where that whole event took place. You've got all of Israel versus this one tribe of Benjamin. Verse 3 again, now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were gone up to Misfit, then said to the children of Israel, tell us, how was this wickedness? And the Levite, the husband of the woman, was slain, and answered and said, I came unto Gibeah, that belonged to Benjamin, I and my concubine to lodge, and the man... Of Gibeah rose against me and beset the house round about upon me by night and thought to have slain me, and my concubine have they forced, and she is dead. So he's retelling the story. Now we find in, in chapter 19. And I took my concubine, and cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout all the country of the inher- inheritance of Israel. For they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. Behold, ye are all children of Israel, give here your advice and counsel. Now notice this, verse 8. And all the people, alright, arose as one man. Okay, these people are united. You notice it says all the children of Israel went out, gathered together as one man. Here it says all the people arose as one man, saying, "We will not any of us go to his tent, neither will we any of us turn into his house." But now this shall be the thing which we will do to Gibeah: we will go, uh, we will go up by lot against it, and we will take ten men of an hundred, throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a an hundred of a thousand, and a thousand of ten thousand, to fetch victuals for the people that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, according to all the folly that they have brought in Israel. Now here's what I want you to get, okay? The first thing I want you to say, do you remember as we've been going through the book of Judges, I keep uh, bringing you back, the, the, the phrase that kind of uh, uh, gives us a, 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 an overarching theme of the book of Judges is every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And you've got to understand this. When I do that which I believe is right, and you do that which you believe is right, and none of us care what God thinks is right, all that will come is a bunch of mess and sadness and fighting. Amen. You need to understand this. The children of Israel are getting ready to literally have a civil war. Now compare that to the beginning of the book of Judges, okay? Go, go to Judges, to, to the beginning of the book. Go to Judges, uh, let's see where I want you. Uh, go to Judges chapter number uh, 1, and look at verse, I didn't write down this verse, I apologize. Let me find it real quick. Look at verse, let's, let's just start reading at verse number 16. Judges chapter 1, verse 16. 16. 16. And the children of the Kenites, Moses' father-in-law, went up out of the city of the palm trees with the children of Judah into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the south of Ardad. And they went and dwelt among the the people. And Judah went with Simeon his brother, and they slew the Canaanites that inhabited Ziphon, and utterly destroyed it. And the name of the city was called Hormah. Okay, here's what you got to understand. We begin the book of Judges with Judah. If you remember, earlier in the passage, they said, you know, who shall go up for us? And the Lord said, Judah... uh, is going to go let him fight and then Judah says to to his brother he said go with me and here's what we're going to say we begin the book of Judges with the people united Fighting the enemy. All right? Look at verse 19. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drave out the inhabitants of the mountains, and could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley, because they had chariots of iron. And they gave Hebron unto Caleb, as Moses said, and he expelled thence the three sons of Anak. And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, uh, but the Jebusites dwelt with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. Uh, Verse 22. And the house of Joseph, they also went up against Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And you go through there. And you find that these people, they are united, but you got to understand this, okay? The children of Israel, we begin in the book of Judges, they're united, they're together, they're fighting the enemy. And at the end of the book, we find them united, but fighting each other. You understand that? At first they're focused on the enemy, the heathen, now they're focusing on each other. And you say, well, why is that? Because every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And when you do that which you think is right, not everybody's going to think that's right. And God may not think that's right. But these people, I mean, we're ending the book in a very sad state. Now, now, go back to Judges chapter 20. And I want you to look at verse number 11. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. And the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribes of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? Now you got to understand this, okay? Not everyone in Benjamin, in the, of the tribe of Benjamin, not all those people are the Sodomites that did this act, okay? Only the men in Gibeah were the ones that did the, the folly in Israel, alright? But when the children of Israel show up to Benjamin... They said, "You know what is this wickedness that is done among you?" Verse thirteen. Now, therefore, now notice their request: Deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin, now notice this. Okay, they. I mean, doesn't that seem like a like a, a, a good request? They show up, they say, hey, we find out this is going on, give us the guys that did it, we're going to put them to death, which by the way is what they were supposed to do. And then he says, we're going to put them to death, we're going to put away the evil from the children of Israel, and and, and we'll take care of the sin, we'll get the sin out of the camp, alright? Now here's the response they get from Benjamin, verse 14, but the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. Now I don't know if you understand what's going on here. But here you've got Benjamin, which are children of Israel, which are supposedly God's people, and you've got the other tribes, which are you know, that's what's happening today. You want to know, you know, and, and please understand the, the heart from which I'm saying this, because obviously at Verity Baptist Church, you know, I, I, I pray almost every day that God will send us the right people, the people that He wants in this church. The Bible says that God's the one that builds the church. The Bible says that God's the one that's done the church. But you know who gives us the most problems at Verity Baptist Church as far as people? It's not, it's not the world. You know who it is? It's other believers. You know, just, just today, someone, you know, was complaining to my wife, if you guys had a Sunday school, you know, nobody ever comes in from the world and says, if you guys had a Sunday school, they're just glad to learn the Bible. But people come in, if you guys had a Sunday school, if, you're this, if you did this differently, if you used that King James Bible, you know that no worldly person has ever walked into this church and complained about the King James Bible, but you know who has? A bunch of other believers bunch of worldly, backslidden believers, they don't like the Sunday school, they don't like the, the the King James Bible, they don't like this, they don't like that, they don't like the hard preaching, you know, it's a sad day when the other believers are fighting us harder than the world, the world respects, you know, they come in, and they're like, you know, everything's different, and they're like, well, isn't that how it's supposed to be, other believers are like, why don't you guys go worldly, but that's what happened here. They say, hey, give, hey, we don't want to mess with anybody, give us these men, they're wicked men, we're going to put them to death. And they say, no, we're going to fight you over that. Believers will fight other believers in defense of worldliness. But that's so-called Christianity today. Our biggest critics are other believers. Our biggest, our biggest enemies are other Christians. The people that complain the most about our preaching against the Sodomites and preaching against what? It's not the world, it's other Christians. You guys are so negative. I'm going to go to the liberal church down the street where it's all about love. Other believers are the ones that often give you the biggest problems. And you find that here in Judges and you find that today. Look at verse 15. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time of the cities 20 and 6,000 men that drew sword. Beside the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered 700 chosen men. Among all this people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed. Everyone could sling stones at an air and not miss. And the men of Israel, beside Benjamin, were numbered 400,000 men that drew sword. All these were men of war. And the children of Israel arose and went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God. Now let me ask you a question. Is asking counsel of God a good thing? Of course it is. I mean, asking God, you know, what should we do? Now notice what It says, they asked counsel of God and said, Which of us shall go up first to battle against the children of Benjamin? Now notice, God responds. And the Lord said, Judah shall go up first. Okay, so here they come. They say, hey, we got an issue with these people. Will you give them to us and we'll take care of it? They said, no, we'll fight you over this. I mean, here's it. The, these guys are, they're, 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 they are siding with the Sodomites. No, no, I don't think you should preach against them. I don't think you should say anything But You shouldn't say anything negative. In fact, we'll fight you to protect them. That's what they're saying. And they said, okay, well, well, let's ask God what He wants us to do. Now, they did a good thing. They asked counsel of God, and they said, well, who should go up first? The Lord said Judah should go up first. Verse 19. And the children of Israel rose up in the morning, and encamped against Gibeah. And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah. Now notice verse 21. And the children of Benjamin came forth. Okay, the children of Benjamin. These are the bad guys in the story. The children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground the Israelites. Those are the good guys in the story. That day, twenty and two thousand men. Now you've got to follow this. The good guys, as counsel of God, they said who should go first. God says Shoot, Judah should go first. They go up to battle, and the bad guys whip them. 22,000 men die. Now, you've got to understand this about the story. Uh, keep your finger there, Judges. Go, go to Romans, Romans chapter number 8, okay? Remember, we were preaching through the book of Joshua before we got into Judges, and, and, and Judges 20 and 21 kind of is the same concept as when we were going through Joshua. Remember, as we we're going through Joshua, the land represents the Christian's heart, our hearts, the believer's heart. And as they were going in, they were conquering that land. Joshua pictures the victorious Christian life. And by the way, the life of a Christian is that when you get saved, you start battling. You start battling the enemy. You start battling against sin. You start getting sin, and these heathen nations represented sin. They represent sin in our lives, and you and I are be fighting sin and removing it from the land and giving our bodies and our hearts and our entire lives to God. That's what the picture is. here. Judah is doing that. Here uh, in the book of Judges, the children of Israel are doing that. You, you've got a picture here of a Christian who is attempting. To remove sin out of the land. But here's the difference. We're not in the book of Joshua. We're in the book of Judges. say, so what does that mean? The book of Joshua represents the victorious Christian life. The book of Judges represents the backslidden life. Now here's what I need to explain to you. When you are backslidden, you say, what does it mean to be backslidden? It means you used to be here, and now you are here. Means you used to do that, you used to read, you know, nine chapters a day, now you can't even find your Bible. You used to be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, now you show up every three weeks. You used to be faithful soul winner, now you haven't witnessed, you know, in, in six months. You used to tithe, now, you know, you can't find an offering envelope when we put it in the bulletin. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that's the difference. Okay? That's what judges is. Judges is not the victorious Christian life. I mean, in in Joshua, you get excited. I mean, they're taking Jericho, they're doing this, they're winning this battle, they're winning that battle, and judges, what are they doing? Going into bondage, going into bondage, going into bondage. You understand the difference? Now, here's the thing. Every once in a while, a backslidden Christian will decide, hey, I want to get right with God. Praise the Lord for it. Amen. But here's the thing. Just Because you decide, I'm going to get right with God. And just because you ask counsel of God, God, what should I do? And just because you hear from God and God says, do this and that, does not mean that God is obligated to give you the victory. We talked about it this morning. You reap what you sow. We said it this morning, God is not a lucky charm. God is not, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, little idol that you carry along with you and whenever you pray to Him, He's obligated to make things easy for you. Maybe you are backslidden. Maybe you've been backslidden. You should get right with God. You should get the sin out of your life. But I'm here to tell you, it's going to be a fight. It's going to be a war. It's not going to be pretty. Are you there in Romans chapter 8? Look at verse 7. Because, Romans chapter 8 verse 7, Because the carnal mind, that's the fleshly mind, that's the, 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 the backslidden mind, the carnal mind is enmity against God. You know what the word enmity means? It means you're at odds. It means you are fighting. It means you're an enemy. Our carnal mind is an enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter five look at verse 16 Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 Galatians 5:16 the Bible says this I say then Galatians 516. Galatians 5.16, the Bible says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth, notice the terminology, against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Your flesh and your spirit are at constant odds and at war with each other. And you are, you know, you, you say, well, I've, I've been backslidden. I haven't been doing everything I was supposed to do. I've been, been right with God like I used to. I've been living in the flesh. Let me tell you something. You decide to start getting sin out of your life. You decide, hey, these children of Israel, they, they got a wake-up call in Judges 19. They, they thought, wow, I did not realize that it was this bad. Lord willing, that will happen to each and every one of us when we get backslidden. Something will get our attention and realize, wow, I didn't realize it was that bad. Amen. But when you decide to get right with God, I'm here to tell you, your flesh is going to put up a fight. They went, you know, they thought, hey, just give us the sidewalks, we'll get them on land, we'll be back on track. But you know what they found out? They're going to have to fight it. They're going to have to battle it. And they went to fight, and you know what happens? They lost. I'm just here to tell you, I'm not trying to discourage you. You, you said, ah, I'm struggling with alcohol. I, 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 I'm going I'm to get that out of my, my life. Let me, I'm just here to tell you, it is very likely that you may lose a battle or two. You, 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 you said, I'm going to read my Bible. You may lose a battle or two. You may not win every fight. Because you cannot just run to God and expect Him to just snap His fingers and make sure everything's good for you. It doesn't work that way. Go back to Judges chapter 20. God is not a lucky charm. God is not required to help you. Even when you finally decide to follow his word, even when you're doing the right thing, God is not required to help you simply because you asked him to. Look at verse 22. And the people, the men of Israel, okay, they just they just they just got whipped. They just lost twenty and two thousand men. That's a lot of men to die. What matter? And notice verse 22, And the people, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and set their battle again in array, in the place where they put themselves in array the first day. And the children of Israel, now notice this process. You know why God did not, you know why God did not allow this to happen? You know why they did not show up, say, hey, give us the sodomites, and the people, give us the sons of Belial. And they're like, okay, here you go. Great. You know why God did not allow that to happen? That would have been too easy. And the people would have said, Okay, great. And they would have gone back home, and it would have been just business as usual. God said, you know, God decided, I need to put these people through a process. Because they're not really ready yet. Now notice what happens, verse 23. And the children of Israel, Okay, they just got whipped, right? 22,000 men died. A bunch of women lost their husbands. A bunch of children lost their fathers. And the children of Israel, notice what they did. They went up and wept before the Lord until even. And asked counsel of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? Now notice, the Lord said, Go up against him. Now hold on a second. The first time they said, Should we go up to battle? And God said, Go. The second time they weep. They're mourning, they're upset, and they said, should we go to battle? And God said, go, notice what happens, verse 24, and the children of Israel came near against the children of Benjamin, the second day, so now we got round two, and Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah, the second day, Benjamin's a bad guy, And destroyed down to the ground, the children of Israel, again, 18,000 men. The good guys get whipped again. This time they lose 18,000 men. All these that drew sword. Verse 26. Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of God and wept. And sat there before the Lord. Notice what they do this time. And fasted that day until even. And offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. Are you noticing how they're getting more spiritual every time they get whipped? The first time they pray, we ask counsel of God. God, what should we do? I mean, they're praying. And God says, go fight. That's what thats what you're supposed to do. They go fight. They get whipped. They come. What should we do, God? Go out to fight. That's what are are supposed to do. They go out to fight. They get whipped again. They come back the third time. Now they're praying. Now they're weeping. Now they're fasting. Now they're sacrificing. See, when God gives you the battle the first time, He doesn't get you the place where He wants you. Sometimes God allows you to lose a battle. Sometimes you get defeated. Sometimes you go through trials. Because God is trying to get you to be right with God. Amen. And if He made it too easy, you wouldn't go through that process. That's why the trials come. That's why the temptations come. That's why the storms come. It's not for you to quit, it's to make you stronger. Amen. There are no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. we will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. God is refining us, and God is refining these people. He didn't give them the battle at the beginning. He said, fight it, and let's deal with some stuff. Fight it, and let's deal with some stuff. Fight it, and let's deal with some stuff. And when they're fasting, and when they're weeping, and when they're praying, and when they're sacrificing, and when they're saying, God, we don't know what to do. God says, all right, now we're ready. Look at verse 27. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord. For the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go out to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? Or shall I cease? Do you notice how they added that this time? I mean, they're to the point where they're just hoping that God says, yeah, just don't worry about it. And the Lord said, now notice what God says. Go up for tomorrow. Now notice the difference, okay? Every time before, they said, should we go? God says, go. Should we go? God says, go. This time they said, should we go or should we stop? And this time God says, go up, but here's the difference. For tomorrow I will deliver them into thine hands. you got to understand this. God moves when He wants to move. God does not answer your prayers on your timetable. God does what He wants to do. And if He wants to put you in a battle, and if He wants you to go through struggles, and if He wants you to go through trials, then just embrace it and go through it and learn your lesson and move on. Amen. Verse 29. And Israel set liars in wait round about Gibeah. And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in array against Gibeah as at other times. And the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. And they began to smite of the people and kill as at other times. It's going the way. It's gone every time. And the highways of which one goeth up to the house of God, and on the other to Gibeah in the field, about thirty men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, They are smitten down before us, as at the first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee, and draw them from the city unto the highways. And all the men of Israel arose up out of their place, and put themselves in array at Tamar, And the liars and weight of Israel came forth out of their places, even out of the meadows of Gibeah. And there came against Gibeah ten thousand chosen men out of all Israel. And the battle was sore, but they knew not that even was near them, and the Lord smote Benjamin. Don't miss that. Who smote Benjamin? The Lord. Now here's what's interesting. We've got a total of three battles now. It's been the same group. Benjamites versus the children of Israel. The first time, the Benjamites whip Israel. They go back. The second time, Benjamite whips Israel. They go back. The third time Israel whips Benjamin. What was the difference? The Lord. you got to understand this. Often as Christians, we forget about the God factor. You say, I don't know that I can win this battle. You can't win the battle on your own. Go back to Romans chapter number 8. Look at verse number thirty one. Romans chapter number eight verse thirty one. I told you I don't want to be very long. I just want to give you a few things from the story to think about. Romans chapter eight verse thirty one. The Bible says, What shall we say to these things? Romans eight thirty one, I want you to see this verse. What shall we say what shall we then say to these things? Now notice this. If you don't mind writing in your Bible, I'd underline this phrase. If God before us, who can be against us? See, you got to understand. You say, "I've tried this before. I've tried to win that battle before. I can't get that victory." I'm here to tell you: sometimes you lose. Sometimes you lose. Sometimes you struggle. Sometimes you get discouraged. Sometimes you get defeated. Sometimes you got you want to quit. Look, I mean, I, we all want to quit. I want to quit today. <laughs> But you know what? You say, well, how am I going to get that victory? If God does it for you, that's the only way to do it. The same people meeting on the same battlefield, fight, and if anything, this time the Benjamites have the momentum. But when God shows up, they can win the battle. Go to Matthew 19, look at verse 26. Matthew 19, verse 26. Matthew 19, verse 26. I mean, do we believe in the God of the Bible? Do we believe that God still performs miracles? Do we believe that God still fights on our side? Do we believe that we can still have the power of God in our life? Do we believe that God can still fight? Can't form a weapon against us. God's with us. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You say, I don't think we can. I'm sure there was people in that. I'm sure there was people at that battle saying, do You guys really think we should do this again? I mean, we tried this twice, and it hasn't worked. But see the difference is God showed up. But here's, here's, here, here, here's the thought, and I, I'm done. But here's the thought. Most Christians say, God, I'm getting ready to get right with you. What would you like me to do? And God says, do X, Y, and Z. And they go to do X, Y, and Z, and they fail miserably. And they say, you know what? It's not worth it. You know what? I'm quitting this. You know what? God God doesn't know what He's talking about. I knew this wasn't going to work. Go to Proverbs chapter 24. It's the last verse I'll have you look at. Proverbs 24. And some people say, well, I'll give it one more try. And they fail miserably. And they say, God doesn't work. God doesn't do it. But I'm here to tell you, God has a plan for your life. God had a plan for these people. And He was just waiting till they were right. Now, notice, he, he, God wasn't waiting on Himself. God could have gave them the victory at any time. He was waiting for them to bring the sacrifices, for them to bring the ark, for them to bring the fast, for them. See, you, you say, I, I'm going through a trial, I'm going through a struggle. Hey, maybe God's waiting for you to sacrifice yourself to Him. Good. Maybe God's waiting for you to fast and pray and we you say well how long is this going to last Proverbs 24 look at verse 16 for a just man falleth seven times and rises up again but you know what the difference between the righteous and the wicked is the wicked shall fall into mischief when the wicked fall you don't hear about them getting back up you say it's hard it's hard to fight I know it's hard I've lost so many battles so have I I don't know that I can do this Neither can I. But God can do it. But God can show up. See, you say, I can't fight. You don't need to fight. God needs to fight on your behalf. Say, what is Judges chapter 20 about? I don't really know what it's about, but I know this. These people waited on God. They did what they were supposed to do. They stayed consistent. And eventually, God showed up. And God will do the same for you. And God will do the same for me. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. And Lord, again, Judges 20 is not necessarily a passage that I would choose to preach from. But I know it's in the Bible for a reason. You want us to learn from it. And I pray that we would take the thoughts that we presented tonight and that we would learn from them. That we would apply them to our lives and realize sometimes you can be battling the right person, following God's direction, and you're still going to lose. And that's okay, because God's trying to show us something. God's putting us through trials, through tribulations, to make us better, to purify us, to purge us. But we know that God has not given up on us. Father, we love you. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the book of Judges. In your precious name I pray. Amen.